Welcome to the True Spirituality with Ange podcast. I'm here to bring you a version of spirituality that will uplift you, inspire you, and make you feel good. Your belief system does not matter. Everyone is welcome. And along the way, I hope I will help you to build your own spiritual blueprint that will make you feel 100% good about yourself. This is what I have done for myself, thanks to my intuition. So come along for the ride and let's light up the world. You don't need to be religious or even to believe in God. This is an inclusive and diverse space. Let's do this. Let's do it. I am super happy today to welcome Dr. Lulu. Her pronouns are she, her, and so are mine, actually, but I realize it's not on my screen. Uh, I am excited. She's the momatrician, and she you, you're also um, a pediatrician who yes. offers gender care. Is that, I, I might not have said exactly the right word, but please correct me. Um, yes, I think that would, that would suffice. I don't usually <laughs> introduce myself in that, in that, um, format. Oh, so they, yeah, okay. They, yeah, they may, everything Take it around me. if you need to. Go ahead. <laughs> it's me. No, I'm, I, I really, I, um, I think these days I say my name is Dr. Lulu. I'm a pediatrician and a life coach. I think I usually put those two things. Okay. things together. I'm a, I'm, a re, I'm a retired pediatrician in the sense that I don't practice actively anymore. This is my, I'm 33 years old as a physician, or I'll be 33 years old as a physician in July, this coming July. So I'm 32 and a half. So I retired two years ago when I turned 30 as a doctor. Um, I hung up my stethoscope officially, but I still see patients just virtually, and I mostly just do supervision now, mostly supervise um, the mid levels. So I'm not an active duty doctor, but okay. I am, I am coming back into medicine because of what you said, because of the, just all the disinformation and misinformation out there about what gender affirmation is and, and care for transgender and gender diverse families really at this point, because it's not just the people that I, that I'm helping is also the families. So as a result of that, I am think I'm actually going to have a ceremony where I'm going to unhang my stethoscope because I hung it up. It was a big party. I had a bunch of people and we just kind of went and I hung it up and it was a, it's been there for so many years now. So I'm going to go and take it back out and get back into the trenches. But I'm excited. But I'm excited. Yes, so I am that. I'm also proudly bi plus. I used to go by bisexual until September when I learned that the proper term actually is bi plus because that's more inclusive as of inclusive of pansexuals and polyamorous and all the other people anything that's two or more is bi plus so now I, I use bi plus and then but I do prefer the word queer because of the attacks on queer people and because the word queer is now being taken back by the owners of the word, which is the LGBT people, and it's no longer derogatory. So as the rebel that I am, I'm like, well, why don't I? So, I'm, so I use the word that people are afraid of using or people are putting some kind of negative connotation to 
and then I'm a mom of three, and one of them happens to be trans. So that's usually my my course of the way I introduce myself. I don't explain it, but I just wanted to explain it today because I think maybe I think it's relevant to the conversation because um, <laughs> I will consider you as a representative of the LGBTQIA plus community. And I have sensitivities as an ally towards this community. I'm very aware that some religious people and some spiritual people, obviously not all of them, are not as inclusive as they could be. And I'm sort of wanting to do two things today, educating people who don't understand how they can be um, non-inclusive, but without realizing that they are, especially if they come from a religious background uh, where... I'm going to say a white religious Christian background where um, variants on both sexuality and gender have not been accepted or have been condemned. So first of all, I'd love to ask you if you think it's relevant. What what culture, religious background do you, were you did you grow up in and and how did that make you feel as an LGBT I, person? Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm what you would call a cradle Catholic. I think um, as I got older, I realized the term refers to someone who was who has always been Catholic. So I was born and then I was born into a Catholic home and I was raised Catholic. I didn't convert. So I think that's what cradle okay. Catholic means. Mm -hmm. So I'm a cradle Catholic. As a matter of fact, my, fa my family is so Catholic that I have an uncle who is a, who is a priest, who's a Catholic priest, and actually now he's a bishop or maybe even like the, on his way to a, a cardinal or whatever, the higher levels, yeah. the higher echelons. So, yeah. So I have, I, I was definitely, I've been Catholic my whole life and um, I still like being Catholic. I, I enjoy having a relationship with something or some being that's bigger than me and just for accountability, I think, in my mind. I mean, no matter how independent you become as you get older, there'll you know it, there'll just be some things that you just always still revert to because that was your childhood, that was part of your childhood, and your inner child actually liked it. So I grew up Catholic. I went to mass every single Sunday. I think for my for the first uh, fifty years of my life, and then when I was in medical school specifically i also went to mass every day because i because they had daily mass at in in and the church was not too far away from the the girls hostels so and so i i fell in love with with daily mass actually i want to say maybe before i went to med school but definitely while i was in medical school i enjoyed i just loved the being able to just be in a space where you know, there's holiness and just the presence of a, another entity that cradles you and sees you as you are and loves you and all that. So when I was growing up, I told my dad at the age of 16, when I actually told my dad, I told my dad because I knew my dad was going to read my yearbook, and I know one of my classmates in my in my high school had 
said, I think you're a homosexual in, in, in my yearbook. And I left it there. I, I could have crossed it out or whatever, but I left it there. And I don't even know if my dad ever read the yearbook. I don't even know if my dad ever saw that. But you know, when they say the guilty are often afraid. So I was like, dad first before my dad reads my yearbook. So I told my dad, I, you know, I like girls and I like boys. And, and he was like, well, you know, I think it's a phase is what my dad said. And he said it with love. He didn't say it with any kind of condemnation in his voice. He didn't say it with any kind of negative energy. However, my aunt who raised me, so one of the things that we do in Nigeria is we always have family members who help to raise the kids. And it's, it's usually not like a nanny that is a stranger. Now yeah. you can also have a nanny that is a stranger in Nigeria. But a lot of times the nanny or the babysitter is, or the house help or anything you want to call it is usually a family member. So in this case, it was my auntie. Now there are also cases where it's not family member. In this case, it was my auntie. And my auntie was like, no, 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 no. Don't even say that. You're going to go to hell. You don't let the devil tempt you. Don't even think about it. And you know, I was... I was too, I love my auntie so much. I didn't even tell her my dad said it's just a face. I just believed her even more than I believed my dad. I was like, oh, no, that's my auntie. I love her so much and she loves me so much. She must be right. And so because of my aunt more so than my dad, I started not liking that aspect of me and started turning down the volume, if, if, if that makes any sense, of that aspect of me. And just maybe not affirming it as much as I would. Ah, nah, 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 don't go there. Don't be trying to like girls now. I was telling myself, you know, I was checking myself. If I see an attractive woman, I'll be like, no, there must be an attractive guy somewhere. I need to find a guy. I don't want to like this woman. You know, things like that. So I just checking myself. And eventually I turned the volume almost all the way to zero. But maybe it was like one and it was just in the background, but I was, it was pretty much just non-existent. And I, and I don't think about my aunt as much because unfortunately for me, when I had my first child, and I, as I tell you the story later on, somewhere along the line, it's a different energy when your child is the, is the person. I, for me, I was fine with killing that aspect of myself. It was okay. But when my child was born and I noticed that my my eldest was a little bit effeminate and I'm like, ah, I don't know about this. This is not good. And I might have told my ex-husband this story because he now said, I made the child gay. He was from my family because I have family members who are also LGBT. It was from my family. They don't have anything like that on their side of the family. I, you know, I did this to the child. I made this. Anyway, bottom line is when I decided to start affirming my child and supporting my child and I told my aunt, the same aunt, she cut ties with me. And so even though I still love her to pieces, we don't have a relationship now. So I try not to think about her anymore because it's like, I don't want to think about her because I'm too busy thinking about this work that I'm doing now. So I just wanted to just to put just to put that out there that it's not it's not an easy life is not easy. It's not straightforward. You, you can't just 
it's not a straight road. There are bumps. It's how you tackle the bumps, how you recover from the bumps. That, I think, is the essence of life. So I'm not even sure if I answered your question, but that's my answer. <laughs> that's my answer. I love your answer. I'm not even sure what I asked, but I wanted to have a firsthand experience. Welcome and I think to the I, diversity. <laughs> I love that... Um, you explained that you toned it down out of love for the people that you loved and who loved you. Um, I'm not going to make a judgment on any of this, but I think it's important that people realize that when they have very strong beliefs, especially in what is right or wrong from their spiritual or religious perspective, that this can put undue pressure on other people to conform with what they're expected to, especially if they're children. And it's not really fair. Is it? it? I don't think it's, it's exclusive. It's divisive, yeah. and it yeah. I, I I mean, I think religion by nature is not inclusive. I mean, nobody's going to sit there and tell you that religion is by definition inclusive. Religion. On the other hand, or like the French would say, au contraire, God is inclusive. And so it's important for people to see that it's not God, if there is a God, for those who believe in a higher power as one person, God is inclusive. And, and my pronouns for God are they, them. So they are inclusive. And sometimes I say she, her, because if I was created in their likeness, then my God is a she. But I like inclusivity, so I go with they, them. So God is inclusive. The people who claim to follow God are not inclusive. And so I think we have to make that little yeah. distinction there. Um, and just so we understand that we are the ones that brought the, well, you're not, you don't have great, your hair is not gray enough, so you don't get to come to the party. You know, your hair is not long enough, so you don't get to come to the party. Well, you can come to the party if you paint your nails. This We are the ones that are up putting conditions. Hmm. And I like how you said it. First, I love that you say that uh, God's source, whatever we want to call them, is a them, they. And I think that's completely right, because what really grates me and bothers me, and it bothers me even more, even something that I haven't, I don't think I've shared on this podcast yet, is that I am actually the mum of two LGBT kids. And I can see how divisive and how uninclusive it is to follow a binary model for and in a religion they they seem to be very attached to that binary model so we need to go beyond that binary beyond that um you know you're either a girl or a boy you know make a choice it's even trans people they do make a choice but what about non-binary what about people to i was watching a, a documentary by jonathan van ness who i absolutely adore who was talking about two-spirit he was interviewing a two-spirit uh person and it was a beautiful um testimonial from that person to say uh you know who's to say what's right and it's definitely not people who should say what is right it's either your direct connection with with whatever entity presence intelligence that you want to connect to and it's important to be able to put things in perspective and just because someone is reading from a bible that was written two thousand years ago doesn't mean they're right um mm. But I would also like to invite the spiritual the community. Written, yeah. Especially and, since the Bible was written in the context of then. The yeah. Bible was written in the context of then. 
So it's critical that we understand that if somebody was writing a Bible today, they would they would write it in today's context. I don't know why, you know, the world is the way it is. Um, unfairness has always been been amongst us. Right and wrong have always been amongst us, and we just have to, as we get older, and know better to just do better that's it and everybody can do better everybody can be kinder everybody can be nicer everybody can tolerate other people everybody can be introspective and ask yourself why do you have this reaction or this response to this thing so just even going back to you saying you're a mother of two lgbt people i always want people to realize that while lgbt um, the, the full letter as it stands today is LGBTQQIAAQO2S. The way it stands today is growing. And so even, even me right now that I say one of my kids is trans. So if you ask me, I'll say, okay, I'm a, I'm a mother of one. I don't still know if there's a new letter that's added tomorrow. One child might say, oh, wait, that's my letter, right? So I just, I just, I love the fact that it's so, it's growing, it's expanding. And the more it expands, the more we find ourselves in more than multiple letters. Because now for me, I think I'm officially in three of the letters, officially. But once upon a time, I just used to think I was a lesbian. And then I, and then I said, oh, I guess I'm just... I guess I'm just bisexual and now I'm bi plus and wait, I'm also queer. And my dad swears that I'm gender queer. So it's like, maybe I'm two spirit, you know, I'm just like, it's so beautiful to just keep peeling the layers and seeing more and seeing more and, and discovering more and just say, so, wow. And rather than regard it with contempt, rather just regard it with the other C, curiosity, like, oh, wow, what, mm. wow, this is, Wow, how cool it is. Like, you know, like you walk into a garden and you can't wait to get to the other side so you can see all other kinds of flowers that you didn't even know existed. That's what I think the LGBT press community is, is expanding, is growing. Once upon a time, it was just LGB. Yeah. Not so long ago, it was just LGB. Mm -hmm. so and just, what I, I see, Go ahead. I don't, I hope you don't mind me saying, but what I see no, no, is that this community is teaching us a lesson about diversity mm -hmm. and about being truly authentic to ourselves and drop the labels almost so that you can find exactly what fits for you, whether it's around sexuality, whether it's around gender, but I think more generally around identity. Um, and yet, from what I've observed of religion, it's the exact opposite. They want to yes. put you into a mold and they want you to confirm to a certain way of speaking, acting, thinking. And if you do that, then you won't go to hell. Um, and if you if you don't do it, then you go to hell, which is um, antiquated at best, but it is very harmful. So, um I love the, the word antiquated. That is so true. It's very, very yeah. antiquated. It's from the dinosaurs. And, and and to be honest, if very. for all the Christian um, representation of whatever it is that they believe, right I, would only, <laughs> I would only trust those who ditch the Bible and put a modern version that feels aligned 
and inclusive. And then I would say, mm-hmm. okay, I might envisage looking into your religion if you if you look at it that way. But for me, the Bible would only need to be love yourself and love others. So there's not much much more to put in it. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 but you see, and that is and that is why I hesitate to condemn the entire book. Because in that same book, it says clearly when when Jesus was asked about which are the two greatest commandments, in that same book, Jesus's words were, love your father, because in Jesus's day, it was a patriarchy, just like it is now. Mm. So it's got to be a father and not a mother. You know, it's like, love your father. Jesus's words were, love your father, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And the neighbor was not qualified. He didn't say black neighbor. He didn't say yeah. neighbor who's yeah. in who is queer. And so I digress when I, you know, I, I digress. I not digress. I dare to say that we, would, we should go into the book, gut out what needs to be gutted out, and leave just that one, maybe that one verse. That's it. Um, and I love I love things that are polarizing. I I rev, revel in polarization. So when I discovered a long time ago that God's pronouns, I discovered it on my own. God's pronouns mostly they them. I said, wait, wait, wait. And so my one of my my next books, actually my fourth book, is called What If God Is Non-Binary. And so I choose I chose non-binary when my kid shared about non-binary, but today I'm actually changing it to agender or just close, just straight up queer. You know, mm-hmm. if God made agender people, then God is also agender. But I think it's easier for me to explain God to myself and to other inclusive people by going with agender or at the very least by gender. But I really think agender is 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 where God is. We cannot put such an entity if there if there really is one into this any one. Gender yeah. and definitely not male, definitely mm-hmm. not male, not from what I've seen, from what I've mm-hmm. seen and heard. And no, nah, no, nah. it's obvious that the person who whose idea it was was just what we have today, a misogynistic, patriarchal person who actually this 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 describes God as thundering and mean and vengeful, angry with. Sure. I mean, it's like how I'm not even like that. And I'm a human being for my kids. So how is it? How do we justify that a God is angry and jealous? And this is not even right. So I agree with you with the fact that the book needs to be gutted. But I do know that this particular verse of the most important commandment was to love yourself. I said, okay, for those who want to take that. And what does that mean? That does not say anything except love your neighbor as yourself and then love God. So that's it. So so show me how you're loving the queer folks by telling them they're not enough or by telling them they're less than. Or, hmm. There's or a lot of hypocrisy uh, when yes. you think about it. Oh, and that's what yes. needs to be ditched. Um, and, and I remember growing up because I grew up as a Catholic. I love that word, hypocrisy. Yeah. And I remember seeing people in church as a child that would act one way when they were in church and act a completely different way when they were outside a church. And that was very common. That is very common. Can we say that is still very common? 
There is a pastor here in America. He's, he's passed on now. Very famous pastor, Eddie Long was his name. E-D-D-I-E, -D -D -E, last name L-O-N-G. Pastor Eddie Long was known. He was black. He was known to be like one of these mega pastors, which are the, the ones that have private jets and have churches the size of a town, right? And he was known specifically for preaching anti-LGBT um, gospel. Hmm. He died of AIDS that he got from having homosexual relations. So when we talk about they, they act one way and they act another, this is still ongoing. He just passed away recently. This is still ongoing every single day because he will, and you know, I wish I knew him because I'll at least offer him protection, if nothing else. And if the African-American slash black community wasn't so intrinsically homophobic, that man wouldn't have had to hide this side of his life in the on Mondays and then on Sundays bring out this side of his life. Yeah. And he would have been proud to be queer and then maybe brought more queer people to his church, you know, and not just make it look like such a bad. He was so uh, everybody knew him for that. Mm. And when he was when the the shit hit the fan, as they say here countless black men that are coming out of the closet as it were like oh yeah he was my lover he was my lover he was... and he died still denying that he had AIDS that oh he has a cancer or some kind of chronic you know it's like yeah hmm. and you know um, I, I love that you're mentioning this because some people might not realize and I'm going to take it to me because I don't like to say people and point fingers mm -hmm. But we mm -hmm. often have internalized racism, oh, internalized oh. sexism, even as women. We have internalized racism as people of color. It's perfectly possible. So we need to look within to pluck all of this out, which is just conditioning. And I love that you said, if you don't feel that you have the freedom to be yourself, then you are going to try and hide the parts of you that you don't think are lovable, which is what this man did. And I love the compassion that you have for him instead of, you know, um, trying to shame him because that doesn't get us anywhere, does it? No, it's just where that takes us backwards. I love the word, the phrase internalized homophobia. I'm glad you brought that up because I talk about that all the time. As myself, I was intensely inter had intense internalized homophobia me for my own self and i will and i and today my one of my loudest preaching is that the majority of the intense homophobes we have today are closeted gays mm. today i can't tell you how many people pastor eddie long was one of them i mean and amongst many including me a lot of us are just intensely homophobic because how dare you live your life when I can't live my life? No, it's not going to happen. Mm. So let mm. me jeopardize that. Let me antagonize that. Let me, you know, what I mean? let me kill it before you before you live your life um, with mm. any kind of degree of freedom when I can't live my life. So I think this is what I want. This is another thing I want people to internalize. Homophobia is so real. And I talk about that. In, every time I give a talk, like a keynote, 
I am mentioning that because that, that's part of my story. You know, I was happy to tell my dad when I told him, because I was like, okay, I've discovered this. I mean, I, it was happy in the sense that I was like, okay, I'm going to tell my dad. And then, and then my dad was like, well, it's a phase. And so for my dad, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to see if the phase will phase it. Cause that's what a phase is. It's going to go away. But my aunt was like, oh no, don't even think about it. And so because my aunt was kind of closer to me in a sense, I was like, you know, my, she must be right. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to see what I can do, but not everybody, um, escapes it in the sense that I mm. am proudly bisexual, bi plus. So I was living in what we call as a cover, as a heterosexual, because I was married to my ex-husband. I dated men because I can, as a bisexual person, I can, you know? So, but I, I was like, I'm not going to explore anything about that because you know what? Let me just live this way. And this in a safer. sense, I was closet. Yeah, because it's safer, but I was also in the closet. And until I met my ex-wife, and I tell people all the time, I said, you know, the day I met her, I, I just, it's truly one of the best days of my life to this day. Because I walked into the room and I tell people all the time, I said, it's like in a movie when everything around is blurred except this one person. And that's exactly what happened with my ex and I. I was in my best friend's house, which was her sister. And everything was blurry. And I just saw this face. And literally, I was just like pulled to her. Like there was like a magnet somewhere. And I told her the other day, I said, I know we're going to get back together. She's like, really? I said, yes, I just know it. Because we were like soulmates. We were like soulmates. I still have a tattoo, which I cannot ever get rid of right there on my radio pulse. Because when we first met, it was long distance. And so we... We both have the same exact same tattoo and the exact same place because it was like, it looks like a heart, but actually it's a six and a nine. We're both born in the year 1969. This one color is red, my favorite color. The other one is blue, her favorite color. And what we did was whenever we missed each other, we would just have to feel our pulse and we just kind of feel the other person. And it was such a beautiful relationship. I told my, I called my dad, I said, daddy, I, you know, about that phase, <laughs> about that phase. Um, I'm 42 years old right now and it's not phasing out. And my dad was like, well, I don't know. I said, well, there's nothing you can say. Just let it go because this is, this is my reality now. And I'm so thankful that I was able to allow myself to explore that, that part of me, which became such a beautiful part of my story. And we started writing our book and writing like a little love story and all that. I mean, the rest is history, but the point is, I would have never been able to ex- experience that that beauty if I didn't allow myself to just be all that I can be. Today, I'm not dating uh, on purpose because partially because I, I, I'm afraid that I won't find anyone that will have that depth of connection. Oh, the connection was, uh, I can't even explain it. Like it was so deep. And it wasn't necessarily sexual, which is what people hear every time they hear about same gender loving or same sex relationship. Their mind only goes to sex, but it was deeper than that. It was more powerful than that. And I dare to say sex was number 10 on the list because there was just so much more. And and it's important for people to understand that there's more than sex. I mean, it, at one point it's like, 
sex, no sex, whatever. But there's a connection of hearts. Yeah. There's a, yeah. a dance, it's a sacred dance. And it's a beautiful dance. And it's only the two people that dance it. I credit my ex-wife till I die for the fact that I did not kill myself because there was a time I was very suicidal. And um, actually, you know, it's funny. Oh, wait a minute. This T-shirt. Ah, ah, I just wore it because, I, because it's cold. But this is one of the things that came out of that, that time in my life. She made this T-shirt. It's called Team Uche. And my, my first name is Uche. And this was actually one of the things that she did because she was like, I want you to know that we're, we're on your side. We're rooting for you. Like, oh, God. I'm going to have to call her and tell her that. This T-shirt was one of the things that that she did when I was really going through that very low time in my life. She was like, you can't, you can't kill yourself. There's so much you get to offer. There's so much, you know, so much world out there, so much this and so much that. And she was like, besides I'm here and then your kids. And then she, she made a case for everything that I needed to remember. So I didn't drive off the highway that day, but it's because of her, it's because of her mm -hmm. that I'm here. I would have not been here. This is a true story. I talked about it in my first TED talk. So people can love you. I, I know for a fact that if I was still married to my ex-husband, well, first of all, I would have been in jail because I was homicidal when I was married to him. I was homicidal. I wanted to kill him. He was so abusive and he was so bad. I wanted to kill him. The day I wanted to do it, something said to me, you're going to get the death penalty because we lived in South Carolina. And then you're not even going to get the kids. And I was like, you're right. So just a small pause to mention something quite exciting that's happening right now. I have created a quiz and I was wondering if you'd like to take it. So in order to do that, um, I will be adding a link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter, which means that you'll receive my musings, some offers, and um, then you'll make sure that you'll know what kind of content I put up because I'm also an author with um, the Taoist Online on Medium. So the quiz. Um, I work with a framework with my one-to-one -one client called the EPIC framework. And this framework enables you to um, establish the foundations of your success. Most people don't reach their full potential because these four um, pillars are not in place. And these pillars for me are energy, prosperity, intuition, and mindset. So if one of these pillars is not rock solid, uh, when you reach a certain level of success, you will be uh, probably sabotaging yourself. So this is what it can look like. Um, you know, you, you've just had a promotion or your business is doing really well. Your relationship is amazing. Um, you love your life, but then you get very sick. Perhaps because you don't have time to rest, you're constantly on the go, etc. So that's the energy pillar. The prosperity pillar surprises me often, but it can happen for people who are actually really um, successful. Um, they're 
money's coming in beautifully, but then whenever they reach a level that goes above what they're comfortable with with money, and this can be an unconscious thing, a huge bill comes in or something breaks down or and it almost seems like whenever they have this big big pot of money coming in, it's immediately used for something else. That's when your prosperity pillar needs working on. Um, intuition is more likely to be about um, a little bit about the law of attraction as well. It's, it's around uh, being able to make decisions in an easy to get in the flow of life and also um, to start understanding that it's not all down to you, that the universe actually co-creates with you. And the last one, mindset, uh, I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't want this interruption to be too long, but um, you can see how these four pillars are absolutely vital if you want to reach your next level of success without having to sacrifice your health, your relationships, or even your sanity. So um, make sure you sign up for my newsletter. You will receive um, the quiz as a PDF, and I'd love to know which of the four pillars needs more work for you. So feel free also to reach out. Uh, the best way to do that is on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Ange de Lumière on both, and I'd love to hear from you. So I stopped and I, I went and I went upstairs to the nanny's room. We had a we had a big old house with the nanny's quarters. I went upstairs to the nanny's quarters, and I just stayed there like for the rest of the, the day. And I was just like, oh my god, you know. So, but that's you just imagine. That's what a toxic relationship can do. A bad union can do. It's not about religion or anything. It's just about the, the the two people. And then I started when I started studying with suicide. I started looking into suicide, and I realized, hmm, the number one reason people die by suicide is actually not mental illness or depression, which is what the drug companies want you to know because they want to sell their antidepressants. It's actually relationship problems. I was like, wait, what? How is this possible? But it is. Second, financial. Third, substance abuse. I was like, wait a minute. Relationship problems doesn't have to be husband and wife. It can be father and son. It can be mother and daughter. See, this is why the statistics today show us that African-American children aged 5 through 12 are twice as likely to die by suicide. So when I say relationship, I'm not talking just husband and wife. I'm mm -hmm. talking about betrayal from the people that should love and protect them. Trauma from people that should love and protect them. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. You can't take and, medicine for that. Yeah, no, go ahead. I agree. I don't know. I, I went. Agree. I don't know. I went there. I don't know why, but because of what well, about the t-shirt. I I think it's important we mention that as well because for the longest of time, suicide dying by suicide was considered a crime. Oh, people yes. weren't allowed to be buried as normal people. There were a lot, and there was a lot of stigma, not just for the person who killed themselves, but for their entire family. Family, yes. And that is wrong as well. This is something and we need to let. That's religious. Yeah. Yeah, come from religion. religion. Yeah. yeah, so this is what I'm saying. Religion is definitely something that once I knew better, 
once I recognized the SHIT that were being fed, I was like, I don't want any more of that. Yeah. I don't want any more of that. More power yeah. to you. And it was my children that led the way. My eldest turned 18 and was like, deuces, I'm out. Mm. And the second one turned 18. I was like, deuces, mom, I'm out. The baby was 16. He was like, mom, I'm out of here. Peace out. You can go to church, but I'm not going. So, but that's the kind of household. That's, those are the kind of kids that I raised. I was like, wait, am I the only one going to church? They're like, mom, right about now, it's just you. So I said, well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you what. I'll go to church until I turn 50. And on my 50th birthday, I'm out. And that's what I did. And I just wanted to do that because... I wanted to do it. And so I did. But my 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 dislike and distaste for the church started more intensely when I moved to the US because I saw overt racism. I think I mentioned this in one of my articles that I wrote recently in the Dallas Voice. Um, I mentioned there that my youngest was eight. And we went to church. And when it was time to do the peace of the Lord be with you, I turn around and I see my kid crying. I'm like, dude, what's going on? And he's like, this guy, this, I don't know, middle-aged white man that was on, on the other side of him refused to shake his hand. I mean, this is a small eight-year-old boy. I mean, just mm -hmm. to tell you how deep and how convoluted it is. You're in the mm -hmm. church, in the quote-unquote house of God, and you're being racist mm -hmm. to a child. So the situation is so, oh my God. Mm. So I'm sorry like, oh, you've had to experience this and I'm sure you all had the to the beginning do. of the end yeah um, so we're going to wrap this up even though I feel there should be a, a, a session two to talk about gender within that because so even if you leave the religious bosom let's call it that way <laughs> i have found that in religious in spiritual circles they sort of reproduce that whole gender thing that binary model the binary yeah, especially I mean, I for example time. like in women's circle and men's yeah. circle yeah, and so what happens to people who don't identify with other or who don't want to be yeah. pigeonholed into one area well, they talk about mm. the divine feminine or the divine masculine. It's almost like you have mm. to make a choice. You um, have to decide, yeah. And I don't think that's right. I think we need to be so much more fluid and 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 watch I ourselves when we speak because it's because it's in everything in society. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't even especially realize when we're French, doing it. Especially French. When I was growing up, I took French all through high school. I was the best graduating student of French in my high school. I got to go to... Togo and Paris as part of my exchange student program. And everything is la table, you know. I mean, I said everything is gendered. And, and I was like, wait, why? But they're like, but well, that's the way it is. I'm like, okay, that's the way it is. Well, my language is not gendered. And one of the things I, one of the, the ways I I I explained non-binary to my dad was I went back to our pronouns in my language, which is Igbo. We don't have male or female pronouns. Everybody's pronoun is they, them in my language. The way you know is the context. What are we doing? Mm. If I call the person's name, maybe you would know that, oh, we're talking about a, a, a male or a female, but we don't have she or he. There's, there's not. Now, there are other Nigerian languages that have she and he pronouns, but my language, Igbo, does not have she or he pronouns. 
That said, talking about gender, I am one of the people that actually push for the fact that if Jesus walked on today's world, I would argue that Jesus was at the very least non-binary, but maybe even more. I, I say that in the, in the context of one of the big things about gender is expression in today's world. Gender expression, which is the way we manifest our gender identity. And so obviously this is not, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but there's gender identity, which is defined as a personal and internal sense of self on the spectrum of male, one end, female on one end, somewhere in between. That's the definition of gender identity. It's a very personal thing. So if Anj tells me that they are non-binary, I have no right to say Anj isn't because it's, mm -hmm. it's Anj's personal and internal sense of who they are. I am a girly girl all day, even though, like I said, my dad swears that I'm genderqueer. But I do know that if you took away my vajayjay today and all my internal organs today, I am still a girl because my gender identity is up here or maybe here hmm. and not down there. And yeah. so I, I make an argument these days. I'm going to be giving a talk next month and it's going to be very polarizing because I'm going to introduce the concept of genital identity because I can. That is what parents do when a baby is born. Yeah. We yeah. assign them a genital identity. And I have no, I have no qualms. <laughs> I have no qualms saying these things anymore because it's true. Like you don't have to like it. You don't have to want to hear it. It doesn't make it untrue. I say that because there's this thing that is in America that is called a gender reveal party. And so I say, <laughs> well, let's talk about that a little bit, shall we? And so I have a whole... One of my, my, I have a, I have a LinkedIn blog. It's called Rethinking the Closet, which is named after my second TED talk. In that, I had one, one of the um, articles I wrote was about, is it gender identity or is it genital identity? What are we celebrating? Because mm -hmm. the truth is the doctor does the ultrasound or whoever does the ultrasound and tells you it's a boy or a girl based on the child's genitalia. No, I agree. So when people are talking about, about trans people or LGBT people, and who is the person focused on genitalia? It's not these mm -hmm. people. It's the people that are celebrating genital identity all day, right? Yeah. And when the baby is born and the doctor says, it's a boy or it's a girl, it's based on their genitalia. So let's call a spade a spade. It's a genital identity. Now, we now start indoctrinating is the word I'm using. We start grooming the child. We start raising the child based on the genital identity that we assign to them. Thank you. Yeah. And then the child realizes that, wait, my gender identity is incongruent with my genital identity. So mom, this is actually who I am. And what do you say as mom? No, 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 you're not. This is who you are. And they're like, no, 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 this is who I am. 
And so the story goes. And that's how the fight started, right? That's how it's, that's yeah. the parents now start going. Again. And, and you know, we could go on and on and on. But I just, I want to talk about, talk, talk about that another time. But maybe just tease it a little bit today that let's focus on the fact that we as parents, we are the ones that actually assign the gender. And then we have all these expectations based on the gender that we assigned. So my new thoughts that I'm telling the world in a month is I want to offer to parents today when you are talking about your children, I want you to say my first child who I'm raising as a boy or my second child who I'm raising as a girl, because that's what you're doing. And that way it will soften the blow if and when that child says, well, you know what, mama? I'm actually not a boy. I'm actually not a girl. So that you take responsibility of your role in it. And then you don't start crying, woe is me, and mourning and saying, oh my God, my I lost my son. You never had it, which is what my kid said to me, mom, you've always had a daughter. Because I used to say, oh, I, I wanted a girl so badly. And she's like, mom, you've always had a daughter. I'm like, you're right. You're right. Mm. So anyway, I'm not trans, but that's what my own child, who's a Stanford-trained transgender woman, said. Mom, why are the parents mourning? Actually, I took out that line from my second TED Talk, so it's not there. I, I, I had a line that said, I understand that you want to mourn the loss of the child you didn't have. And my kid said, Mom, that's the only line in this entire TED Talk that I don't like. And I was like, why? He's like, because you never had that child to begin with. So why are you mourning? Why are you not celebrating the mm. child that you had? I was like. And so since then, I now know better, so I'm doing better. But I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Ange. This was really good. You're so welcome. And I, I agree with you. We are grooming our offsprings into the vision oh, that we want of them. And, and we were grooming them, not just around gender, but also all sorts of expectations. And I want to say one thing, um, because I have four autistic children. And I think one of the things that parents of people of, of children with special needs have to go through is that mourning process. But it's mourning of an idea. An idea. Because we were attached to that idea. It's not the child. The child is beautiful. It's perfect. It's, the child it's here to have. teach you. Yes. It's here Love to teach you everything. You yeah. But it's Love still a process of Love letting it. go. And the more I we're attached it. to our ideas and our beliefs, the harder it's going to be. So and I want so to invite why do we go people, back? Yeah, I want why to invite people back? to challenge mm -hmm. their beliefs because that is yes, going to help. Yes, exactly. And go back to, and, and you know, maybe for, for our generation, we have, our generation is kind of passed on, we've passed but for the next generation and the generation after that, which thankfully they're very inclusive, by the way, Gen X's and Much more. Gen Z's yeah. and Gen Alphas. Not, I think I'm Gen X, right? Okay, so I'm Gen X. Gen Z's, millennials, Gen Z's and Gen Alphas, they are very, very inclusive. I think we should start now and start telling them, your daughter is worthy. The female child is just as worthy as the male child. 
because there's this mindset that women are not all that, which came from the Bible. Mm. The Bible talks about, admonishes women, like anything your, anything your belief is, you can find affirmation in the Bible for it. Slavery, women are oh. not good enough, concubines, <laughs> I mm. mean, you name it. I'd like to wrap up because I don't like um, episodes to be too long, but I want to point people to your podcast because there was a brilliant episode about um, um, all this being actually tied into colonialism, the whole gender mm -hmm. debate. And I think there's intersection between marginalized groups that are oppressed by this white supreme um, you know, um, stance on things. So I wanted to say that first. Second, I also wanted to mention, well, for you to mention where people can find you in a second, but first also that we're doing a joint class together to support parents of transgender uh, kids, specifically around mental health in the new year. So if that's something you might be interested in, I will add the link in the show notes. You can sign up for it and get the information to join when, when the time is right. Um, but also, Dr. Lulu, please tell us where people can find you if they want to follow you or watch your TED Talks, all that wonderful stuff. I've watched all of them. I've listened to all the episodes of your of your podcast, and I'm a big fan of what you stand for. Now, I also want to say just one small thing on the back of that is that I also understand that in order to support and help parents accept their child, sometimes there needs to be a phase where we have to listen to the parent in separation from the child, where they can voice all their concerns without squashing them because feelings that you don't, you're not able to express fester. Mm -hmm. But we also need to encourage that parent to, when they're with their child, whether it's a child or an adult, to put these feelings aside because the most important person in that relationship is the child at that point. Point, because I they're more vulnerable they are facing mm -hmm. more challenges and mm -hmm. so it's not for the parents to burden their child with their problems they I have to it. talk about it with their friends with someone else a therapist whatever a therapist, and, and yeah. i i very often mention the silk model i don't know if you've heard of it so no. it's a ring and it says when someone's oh, yeah, in a crisis i'll send you the link and i'll put it in the show notes as well when someone's in a crisis um, you need to put that person at the center and then you put a ring with you and then you put a ring with whoever you're connected to on the outside. No one from the outside going in should share their problems with the person who's closest to the crisis, but they can share with people outside. So suppose you had a child who's in crisis, you're the parent, you cannot talk about how this is upsetting you to your child but you can talk it to your spouse or to a friend, okay? It goes outwards for the worry and inward for the support. I love, mm -hmm. And this is one of the most it. useful model I've ever seen, transgender, LGBT or not, Wherever, in order to be yeah, there for the person and to support them. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for it. I'm also a pediatrician. So definitely as a pediatrician and a child advocate, the first voice is the voice of the child. And because I've lost patients to suicide or nearly lost patients to suicide, is for me, the, the child will come first as a pediatrician, because that's my first identity. Even though I'm a parent coach now and I try to bridge the gap, but as a pediatrician, and maybe because I've seen some things, 
in my time. Some things are it's always going to be the, the child first. Yeah. yeah. But thank you so much. So folks can find me and follow me on social media. Um, I'm, I go by Momatrician, M-O-M-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-N for mom and pediatrician. I'm also at Dr. Lulu Talk Radio. I have to write it down so I can remember Dr. Lulu Talk Radio on Instagram and YouTube. If you want to watch any of my any, any episode of the podcast, I'm on LinkedIn. If you type in Dr. Lulu on LinkedIn, I will come up because I come up as the most active Dr. Lulu, I think, on LinkedIn. Otherwise, my website is dr-lulu.com, dr-lulu, l-u-l-u.com. And my podcast is called Moms, the number four, Trans Kids. Moms, the number four for trans kids. You can find us on Apple and Spotify for now. And last but not least, I have a brand new gender affirming care practice that's coming up in January. It's going to be virtual at the at, for now. And we're going to be taking care of families of children age three and up for gender affirmation. Because I want to make a case for the fact that gender affirmation is not just hormones and surgery. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. And I will also, um, you know, send people your way if they have any questions or if they want to hear more or if they want you back. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the the true spirituality with Ange podcast i want you before you go if i could ask you to be kind enough to rate the podcast and write a review so that more people get to know about the podcast please also if possible share the episodes with people you think might be interested in listening to them especially if you've liked them a lot and um, understand that I'm also available to come and do um, expert talks um, to your communities, your memberships on either intuition in business, spirituality in business, mindset, um, energy, prosperity, and intuition. Thank you so much for listening.